Welcome to Reading to Kids podcast. I'm your host, Jenna. And I'm your host, Peyton. And we're here to read to you or with you. We know that sometimes moms and dads don't always have the time or the motivation to read to their kids each night, and we know how important it is. So, on those nights that you're not in the mood, we're going to do it for you. Can't wait to read with you. Good job, Peyton. High five. People, we are reading a series of unfortunate events by Lemony Snicket. We're on book the. Do you remember? You don't remember? Uh, the, it doesn't say on it. Yeah, it does right here. Oh, seven. Yep. And we're on chapter. So, oh, we're seven, seven. Book seven, chapter seven. Ooh, it's a lucky number. Okay. Okay, okay, okay. Chapter seven. Let's do a little cheat and see how many pages. Okay, it's not terrible. Woohoo! Chapter 7. In this large and fierce world of ours, there are many, many unpleasant places to be. You can be in a river swarming with angry electric eels or in a supermarket filled with vicious long-distance runners. You can be in a hotel that has no room service or you can be lost in a forest that is slowly filling up with water. You can be in an a hornet's nest, or in an abandoned airport, or in an office, or a pediatric surgeon, but one of the most unpleasant things it can happen to find okay, is yourself in a quandary. Okay, what's so bad about having a hotel that doesn't have room service? I don't know, like, a lot of people don't have room service anymore. Hmm. Yeah. Which is where the Baudelaire orphans found themselves at night. Finding yourselves in a quandary means that everything seems confusing and dangerous and you don't know what in the world to do about it. And it is one of the worst unpleasantries you can encounter. The three Baudelaire sat on Hector's kitchen to, uh, sat in Hector's kitchen as the handyman prepared another Mexican dinner. And compared to the quandary they were in, all their problems felt like small potatoes. He was chopping into thirds. Everything seems confusing, Violet said gl- gloomily. Is it glumly or gloomly? Gloom. Why so gloom? Why so glum? I don't know. Again, I oh, need to go back to school. The quagmire triplets were somewhere nearby. It's gloomly. I know, me too. But I think you think it's gloom because that's what I say and I don't no, know if it's, it's right. Okay, cool. But we don't know where they are and the only clues we have are two confusing poems. And now there's a man who isn't Count Olaf, but he has an eye tattoo on his ankle and he wanted to tell us something about our parents. It's more than confusing, Klaus said. It's dangerous. We need to rescue the quagmires before Count Olaf does something dreadful, and we need to convince Count Olaf of the elders that the man they arrested is still Jacques on the... Otherwise, they'll burn him at the stake. Quandry, Sonny said, which meant something along the lines of, what in the world can we talk about? Oh, can we do about it? Okay, I'm going to start that over. What in the world can we do about it? I don't know what we can do about it, Sonny, Violet replied. We spent all day trying to figure out what the poems meant, and we tried our best to convince the Council of Elders that Officer Luciana made a mistake, and she and her siblings looked at Hector, who certainly had not tried her best with the City Council of Elders, but instead had sat in his folding chair without saying a word. Hector sighed and looked unhappily at the children. I know I should have said something, he he told them, but I was far too skittish. The Council of Elders is so imposing that I never say a word in their presence. However, I can think of something that we can do to help. What is it, Klaus said. We can enjoy these or these huevos rancho, rancheros, he said. Huevos rancheros are fried eggs and beans served with tortillas and potatoes as 
and in a spicy tomato sauce. Okay, that sounds delicious. The siblings looked at one another, trying to imagine how a Mexican dish would help them get out of their quandary. Well, how will this help? Violet asked doubtfully. I don't know, Hector said, but they're almost ready and my recipe is a delicious one, if I do say so myself. Come on, let's eat. Maybe a good dinner will help you think of something. The children sighed, but nodded their heads in agreement and got up to set the table. And, curiously enough, a good dinner did, in fact, help the Baudelaire's think of something. As Violet took her first bite of beans, she felt the gears and the and the levers of her inventing brain spring into act, to action. As Klaus dipped his tortilla into the spicy tomato sauce, he began to think of the books he read that might be helpful. And, as Sunny smeared egg yolks all over her face, she clicked her four sharp teeth together and tried to think of tried to think of a way that they might be useful. By the time the Baudelaire's were finishing the meal, Hector prepared them their ideal prepared them, their ideas had grown and developed into a full fledged plan, just as the Nevermore tree had grown into a long <clears throat> had grown a long time from a tiny seed, and Foul Fountain had been built recently wait and Foul Fountain had been built recently from someone's hideous blueprint. It was Sunny who spoke first. Plan, she said. What is it, Sunny? Klaus asked. With a tiny finger covered in tomato sauce, she pointed out the window at Nevermore Tree, which is covered in the VFD crows, as it was even as it was every evening. Mergen, sir, she said. My sister said something that tomorrow morning there will probably be another poem from Isadora in the same spot, Klaus explained. She wants to spend the night under the tree. She's so small that whoever's delivering the poem probably won't spot her. And she'll be able to find the couplets, find out how the couplets are getting to us. And that she should bring, that's to bring us closer to the quagmires, Violet said. That's a good plan, Sunny. My goodness, Sunny, Hector said. Won't you be frightened to be spending the night underneath a, a whole murder of crows? Feral, Sunny said, which meant it won't be any more frightening than the time I climbed up an elevator shaft with my teeth. I think I have a good plan, too, Klaus said. <clears throat> Hector, yesterday you told us about the secret library that you have in your barn. <gasps> Shh, Hector said, looking around the kitchen. Not so loud. You know it's against the rules to have all of these books, and I don't want to be burned at the stake. Well, I don't want anyone to be burned at the stake, Klaus said. Now, does that secret library contain the rules about VFD? Absolutely, Hector said. Lots of them. Uh, because the rule book describes people breaking the rules as they break the rule number 108 which clearly states that the vfd library cannot contain books that break any of the rules well i'm gonna read as many rule books as i can klaus said there must be a way to save Jacques from being burned at the stake i'll bet i find i find it in the pages of those books my word klaus hector said my word klaus hector said won't you be bored reading all of those rule books well, it won't be any more boring than the time I had to read all the books about grammar in order to save Anne Josephine, he replied. Sunny is working to save the quagmires, Violet said, and Klaus is working to save Jacques, so I've got to work to save us. What do you mean, Klaus asked. Well, I think Count Olaf must be behind all of this trouble, Violet said. Greeby, Sunny said, which means, as usual, if the town of VFD burns, 
Jacques burns Jacques at the stake, Violet continues. Then everyone will think Count Olaf is dead. And I bet the Daily Punctilier will even have a story that says so. It will be very good news for Olaf. The real one, that is. If everyone thinks he's dead. Olaf can be as treacherous as he likes and the authorities won't ever be looking for him. That's true, Klaus said. Count Olaf must have found Jacques must have found Jacques, whoever he is, and brought him into town. He knew that the officer Luciana would think he was Olaf, but what decide what does that have to do with us with saving us? Well, if we rescue the Quagmires and prove that Jacques is innocent, Violet said Count Olaf will come after us, and we can't rely on the Council of Elders to protect us. Poe, Miss Sunny said, or Mr. Poe, Violet agreed. That is why we'll need to save ourselves. She turned to Hector. Yesterday, you also told us about your self-sustaining hot air mobile. Hector looked around the kitchen again and made sure nobody was listening. Yes, he said, but I think I'm going to stop working on it. The Council of Elders thinks I'm breaking rule number 67. I could be burned at the stake. Anyway, I can't seem to get the engine to work. If you don't mind, I'd like to take a look at it, Violet said. Maybe I could help finish it. If you want to see... You wanted to use the self-sustaining hot air mobile home to escape from VFD and the Council of Elders and everything else makes you skittish, but it would also make you an excellent escape vehicle. Well, maybe it could work both. Maybe it could use both, Hector said shyly and reached across the table to pat Sunny on the shoulder. I very much enjoy the company of you three children and it would be delightful to share a mobile home with you. There's plenty of room in that self-sustaining hot air balloon home, and once we get it to work, we could launch it and never come down. Count Olaf and his associates would never be able to bother you again. What do you think? Aw, that's cute. The Baudelaire's listened closely to Hector's suggestion, <clears throat> but when they tried to tell him what they thought, it felt like they were in a quandary all over again. On one hand, it would be exciting to live such an un- in such an unusual way, and the thought of being safe from him forever, count from forever from Count Olaf's evil clutches was very appealing to say the least. Violet looked at her baby sister and thought about the promise that she had made when Sunny was born that she would always look after her younger siblings and make sure that they wouldn't get into any trouble. Klaus looked at Hector, who was the only citizen of this vile village who really seemed to care about the children as a guardian should. And Sunny looked out the window in the evening sky and remembered the first time that she and her siblings saw VFD crows fly in a superlative, superlative circle and wished that they too could escape from all of their worries. But on the other hand, the Baudelaire's felt flying away from their troubles and living up forever in the sky didn't seem to be a proper way to live one's life. Sunny, <coughs> Sunny was a baby, and only, Klaus was only 12, and even Violet, the eldest, was only 14, which was not so old. The Baudelaire's had many things that they hoped to accomplish on the ground, and they wouldn't, weren't sure that they could simply abandon all of those hopes so early in their lives. The Baudelaire sat at the table and thought about Hector's plan, and it seemed to the children that if they spent the rest of their lives in a float- floating around at the heavens, they would simply be in their, they wouldn't be in their element. A phrase here which means in the sh- in the sort of home that three siblings prefer. First things first, Violet said, hoping that she wasn't hurting Hector's feelings. Before we can make the decision about the rest of our lives, let's get Duncan and Isadora out of Olaf's 
clutches. And make sure Jacques won't be burned at the stake, said Klaus. I'll be go, Sonny said, which meant something like, and let's solve the, v- the mystery of VFD that the quagmires told us about. Hector sighed. You're right, he said. Those things are much more important, even if they do make me skittish. Well, let's take Sonny to the tree and then off to the barn where the library and the invention studio are. It looks like it's going to be another long night, but hopefully this time we won't be barking up the wrong tree. The Baudelaire smiled at the handyman and followed him to the night, which was cool and breezy and filled with one of the sounds of the murderous crows settling down for the night. It ca- they kept smiling and wait, they kept smiling as they separated, with Sonny crawling towards the Nevermore tree and the two elder Baudelaire's following Hector to the barn, and they could continue to smile as they began to put each of their plans to action. Violet smiled because Hector's invention Invent- inventing studio was very well equipped with plenty of pliers and glue and wire and everything her inventing brain needed. And because Hector's self-sustaining hot air balloon home was enormous, fascinating was an enormous fascinating mechanism. Just the sort of challenge, <coughs> just the sort of challenging invention she loved to work on. Klaus smiled. Hector's library was very comfortable with some good sturdy books and the cushion. Cushion chairs were just perfect for reading in because the books on the rules of VFD were very thick and full of difficult words, just the sort of challenging reading he enjoyed. And Sunny smiled because there were several dead branches of the Nevermore tree that had fallen to the ground, so she would have something to gnaw on as she hid and waited for the next couple of, next couplet to arrive. The children were in their element. Violet was in her element at the invented at the inventing studio. Klaus was in his element at the library, and Sunny was in hers just below, just being low to the ground and near something she could bite. Violet tied her hair up with a ribbon to keep it out of her eyes, and Klaus polished his glasses, and Sunny stretched her mouth to get her teeth ready for the task of her and the three siblings. The task ahead of her and the three siblings smiled more since they had and since they had since their arrival in town. The Baudelaire orphans were in their elements, and they hoped that being in their elements would lead them out of their quandary. And Peyton is asleep. Peyton is asleep. Peyton is asleep. Peyton. Peyton. Yep, she's out.